Yeah, let's do it in one take like we did yesterday. That was perfect. Hi, and welcome to On and Off, our podcast covering the on-premise and off-premise beverage alcohol industry. I'm Melissa Dowling, editor of Cheers. And I'm Kyle Swartz, editor of Beverage Dynamics Magazine. Today, we're going to be discussing vodka, which is still by far and away the leading category in beverage alcohol. But since we last talked about vodka nearly a year ago on this podcast, can't believe it's already been a year, <laughs> vodka's share of all distilled spirits in the U.S. did slip slightly in 2020 from 32.3% to 31.7%. Yeah, I mean, you certainly can't feel sorry for vodka, which increased 2.8% in 2020 to reach 79.8 million nine-liter cases. Um, the tequila and the brandy cognac categories did increase their share a little bit, but it looks like what's really taking share from vodka is the prepared cocktails, which were up 35% last year. So, so much of vodka is consumed in like really simple drinks, like with soda, with tonic or juice. You know, I wonder if the lure of these super convenient prepared drinks, you know, along with hard seltzer, of course, could be biting into vodka consumption. I think you're absolutely right. And before I go a little bit more into that, you know, it's worth pointing out, I was interviewing a retailer just the other day for a profile I'm writing for the May, June issue of Beverage Dynamics Magazine. Don't miss it. Um, and he, he, I was talking about wine and what's eating into wine. He said, RTDs are eating into wine. I said, oh yeah? He said, well, they're also eating into beer and they're eating into spirits. They're eating into everything. RTDs have blown up so much recently that every single beverage alcohol category is seeing a slight decline because of it or a decline versus their normal growth. So RTDs are eating into everywhere, but certainly into vodka, you know, and that's partly because, uh, you know, a lot of people were buying vodka to make cocktails at home, of course, but you know, you don't need to buy vodka if you're just buying RTDs instead and you're still getting that same cocktail quality. In fact, you're probably getting an even better cocktail with the RTDs because the quality of the RTDs has risen so much recently. It's risen dramatically. It's like you're buying a cocktail at a nice bar or restaurant now. And of course, a lot of these RTDs do contain vodka. They're containing high-end vodka, high-end ingredients, high-end mixers. And so, you know, it takes the chance that you might make a subpar cocktail right out of the equation if you're a consumer, because now you can just buy these RTDs. They taste delicious. They have vodka in them. So people are buying less vodka because of it. Yeah, I think it's also interesting that a lot of the new flavored vodkas coming out are, you know, kind of designed to make it even easier, you know, especially with these, um, the trend right now is toward natural fruit flavors and botanical essences and things like that. So you would only need to add a soda or tonic, which people were doing anyway, but um, it, as easy as you make it to do that, you could also just buy it in a can already done in an RTD. Absolutely. And, you know, to your point, like, like you said right now, it seems like the trend is the fewer ingredients a consumer has to put into a cocktail, the better. And uh, one of these uh, products is the Deep Eddy Vodka just came out with their own lime flavor. Deep Eddy, obviously one of the real trendsetters when it comes to both craft vodka and flavored vodka. Obviously, flavored vodka was not that long ago, kind of a dirty word, a bit of a pejorative when you had all those confectionery flavors coming out. I mean, Melissa, I'm sure you remember the cupcake vodkas, the birthday cake vodkas, 
<laughs> or, or maybe we want to forget those vodkas, especially because they just ended up sitting on shelves and collecting dust. Too many of them came out, like you said, and we're wondering whether the same thing's happening here. There's so many flavored vodkas coming out. But again, like you said, the, the emphasis now is on all natural. It's on uh, good flavors, premium flavors, healthier vodkas. You're not seeing the birthday cake vodka like you used to. Now you're seeing the deep eddy lime vodka or you're seeing the lower ABV vodka. Right, right. I was trying to think of the big one, and it, it was the whipped cream vodka that actually they use in a lot of cocktails. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's died down a bit, but uh, people love it. Um, but yeah, getting back to the botanical and uh, fruit essences, I just, you know, I, I understand everyone's tapping into the better for you beverage trend that I think we mentioned last time, but there are just so many coming out with these kind of hybrid fruit flavors. You know, all the big companies, I, I just learned of another one coming out um, that it's, I'm not sure how many the market can support. You know, it really is starting to remind me of those crazy days 10 years ago or so when it's it just, they just never stopped coming. So I, I, I don't know how it's going to shake out really. It's a very good question. You wonder how much farther does this healthier for you drinking trend have to go? And my guess has got a lot farther to go. We just started to see the roots of it right before the pandemic and then exploded during the pandemic. Health was on everyone's mind already before, of course, COVID-19 made health something you thought about every minute of every day. And you're right. A lot of the major brands are now coming up with these low ABV vodkas, which certainly you know, lets you know where they think the category is going. For instance, Grey Goose Essences launched uh, earlier this year as a low ABV vodka. These are 30% ABV. Grey Goose Essences contain no artificial ingredients, sugars or carbs. They're gluten-free. And you look at the flavors here, you have strawberry and lemongrass, excuse me, strawberry and lemongrass, white peach and rosemary, watermelon and basil. I mean, that's a far, far away <laughs> from whipped cream and birthday cake. Yeah, yeah. Um, Pinnacle just came out with a couple new ones and it's guava, lime, and apricot something. I can't believe I forgot. But <laughs> anyway, you know, they're, they're just delicious sounding combinations. It's just, I could understand being completely, um, you know, overwhelmed when you go to a store to buy. You, you know, know, another one that really caught my eye was a Belvedere Heritage uh, 176 Vodka, perhaps 176 Vodka. I'm not sure exactly how they want the branding on that to be pronounced. Uh, but this being made with malted rye, which is kind of interesting for a vodka, and they're saying that adds more flavor as a, uh, opposed, assumedly, to um, unnatural flavor. And they launched this with a whole platform called Made with Nature that reflects a healthier lifestyle and sustainability movement, which is right now permeating through all of alcohol. It also comes along with Belvedere setting goals to be 100% green code of contact in their vendors conduct with their vendors, excuse me, and the goal of reducing plastic by 50% by 2025. Belvedere wants to reduce CO2 emissions by 80% by 2022 and achieve 100% renewable energy by 2025. So again, you really have this healthier for you and better for the planet uh, movement going through vodka. And also one that really caught my eye and I, I had to publish this when I got sent this press release with a name like this, but it's called Caveman Vodka. <laughs> yeah, paleo. Oh yeah, caveman, a paleo-inspired gluten-free vodka made from California grapes. 
I mean, how can you not support something like that? That certainly seems to be uh, cutting edge right now. Who knows where it'll lead, but that seems to be where the category is leaning. Yeah, the sustainability is a, a huge issue for a lot of brands. I know it's it's big for Finlandia. I think also Finland is, is very green to start with. Um, but another trend with, you know, plain vodkas and, and some flavors, I guess, is that sense of, you know, where it comes from, the water sorts, what, what it's made of, um, you know, throughout Europe, of course, but also through the U.S., the very local vodkas are, are cropping up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one brand that caught my eye there, it's J.T. Mellick Louisiana Rice Vodka. Uh, I was sent a sample of this. They're not paying me to say this, but it tasted very good. I got to tell you, this is, uh, again, rice vodka made in Louisiana marshland that the family, uh, J.T. Mellick, that's the founder of the family, uh, he founded this farm four generations ago, again, in the Louisiana marshland, where today the distillery is surrounded by rotating crops, rice, and crawfish fields. Uh, hard, hard not to like something like that. And I'll tell you, this, this, um, excuse me, this vodka, I almost said whiskey just because it has such a craft feel to it. <laughs> but this vodka has a creamy, viscous mouthfeel, and it tastes like sake. It's got sake-like rice flavor. So a very interesting take on very provincial vodka, vodka coming out of the Louisiana rice fields. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the vodka category feature article we have coming up, we talked to a restaurant in Portland, Oregon, that specializes in Eastern European vodkas, you know, particularly Russian. But they do carry vodkas from all over the world, including um, quite a few from the U.S. I'm not sure if they have that rice one yet. <laughs> <laughs> it should. It should probably look into it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk about cocktails. Um, you know, vodka kind of got left out of the whole craft cocktail thing, uh, and classics because it, it wasn't widespread, um, way in the beginning, but it seems like there's a real resurgence towards eighties and nineties cocktails. I mean, I keep getting recipes for the espresso martini. Oh, yeah. So either that's making a comeback or, or brands are trying to make it come back because the recipe doesn't vary all that much. You can put little tweaks on it. Um, but that's a big one. I think the real story allegedly is the comeback of the cosmopolitan, um, you know, Grub street in April called the cosmopolitan, the drink of some of summer 2021. And everyone is all over it. You know, it, I mean, the drink never really died, but, um, like all things that were massively popular, it then became super uncool <laughs> to order a Cosmo, especially at a craft cocktail bar. Um, and I think, you know, it, the Cosmo had its heyday 20 years ago. So now it, it's, it's like, it's retro now. It's kind of sad as that sounds something that people's parents drank. Um, so I think it speaks to the whole post-pandemic roaring 20s thing that we expect to see. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, you, you have in your notes here too, I want to make sure we mention it, that Sex and the City really built the Cosmo and then you said then ruined it? Did, you, did the show <laughs> overdo it? I can't say I've watched a lot of Sex and the City. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just, it totally... Um, 
you know, really built it up and then it just got sort of tired. It just got too big and, you know, they, um, it, it was suddenly uncool. It's like, oh, you saw that on TV, so you want to order one. <laughs> I'm picturing a scene in the Hamptons where the four principal women are wearing really large frilly hats and drinking enormous Cosmos. Does that sound about right? Um, yeah, you know you watched it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, whenever, I'll play. I'll, okay, I'll come clean. Whenever my wife watches that show, I walk in and I, I inevitably laugh. That is such a funny show. That's got to be one of the better written shows on HBO. It is so funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what some of the other cocktails are. Like one, one of the operators in the vodka feature said that the Moscow Mule is its highest seller because people can pronounce it and they know what it is i mean that <laughs> that's kind of a big deal with drinks it, it's not more simpler than the moscow mule i feel like that that's one of the easiest uh, ones to make as well i mean i'll tell you all of my friends drink it again super easy everybody can buy the cups the cups look cool and one of my favorite things about the moscow mule of course is that it's an american drink uh named after russia it's such a weird backstory where it was founded with the idea of tapping into what was it russian culture i can't even remember exactly why they chose to go with moscow was it just the idea of tapping into vodka um it was smirnoff yes um they were selling smirnoff and somebody had ginger beer and they kind of created this drink and and, and ran went around to bars um promoting it a, they, a that's a legend of, anyway <laughs> yeah, allegedly right perfect perfect meeting of worlds there yeah um, trying to think what other things we're seeing with vodka. You know, it's, it's worth mentioning too, that when the pandemic first hit vodka was something that flew off the shelves right away. You know, I remember, um, you know, that March, 2020, when it seemed like the world was ending and people were flocking to liquor stores, because they weren't sure whether liquor stores were going to remain open. You know, you couldn't find Tito's and when, and the larger, the format, the better people are stuffing their carts full of large format vodka, but that is obviously faded away now again, because we saw that vodka has actually went down a little bit during 2020 it certainly didn't go down during the beginning, but it just, it speaks to how consumer trends shifted so dramatically over the course of one year that vodka went from being something you couldn't keep in stock to something that's actually kind of trickling away a little bit now. Yeah. One of the, I can't remember if it was retailer on-premise, but somebody um, that is in the vodka story coming up was saying that, you know, there's a real interest in super premium, like people are really willing to pay more for vodka, whereas, you know, sometimes they want to pick up a handle of something cheap to mix with, and sometimes they want something to, to sip on or that's really exclusive um, or premium. So that, that, that's another thing that we're seeing. It seems to go either one way or the other a lot of times. Yeah, and that's the classic story with vodka is that it kind of suffers from not having a very well-established premiumization end to it. And obviously there are premium vodkas that have done very well. But overall, when you think premiumization, what comes to mind first is whiskey and tequila. And those two have really done a great job of tapping into premiumization in the last couple of years. And I wonder, you know, you and I, we get all these press releases and products. I can't tell you how many high-end vodkas I've been sent that just did not catch on. I, I wonder when someone's going to be able to establish something like that and how hard is it to do in the shadow of something like Tito's, which, you know, while a wonderful vodka, certainly not known as a premiumization vodka. And that's the point. 
Yeah. Well, I think with some of these uh, expressions like the rice vodka you mm. men mentioned and, um, you know, there's there's a couple there. I know there's one, I think, distilled from whey, um, yep. you know, that also is a creamy mouthfeel, <laughs> mouthfeel they say. Um, so it's just, it, it, there's a lot of innovation too, where I think there didn't used to be or maybe didn't need to be. So mm. I think that's going to um, continue to drive things. I mean, I, vodka will never die. No. But I do think... Uh, just like with the comeback of the, the 80s and 90s cocktails, a lot of which used vodka, you know, it's um, it, maybe it's getting cool again. It didn't die, but people, you know, they, they never stopped drinking it, but maybe they didn't want to admit that they were vodka drinkers so much. You know, even now it's still cooler to uh, talk about whiskey or tequila. Yeah. I also wonder if all trends are uh, cyclical in this nature and retroactive. At what point does the uh, whipped cream vodkas become cool again? This summer. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're for predicting sure. it here first. Over the summer, get ready for cape, uh, cupcake uh, vodkas again. Right. <laughs> well, I think that's all we have time for. Um, you'll want to check out the vodka article coming out in um, what's in the I think it's in the fall issues. Um, <laughs> they're coming out pretty soon. So uh, maybe the summer issue of Beverage Dynamics. Yeah, that's going to be in the May-June issue of uh, Beverage Dynamics. So actually the spring issue. But, you know, these, these issues come out so quickly. It's, it's not always easy to tell which articles in which they get pushed all over the place. And that, that article, of course, written by our, our great freelancer, uh, Thomas Henry Strank. Yes, yes, it's a good one. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody, as always, for uh, joining us here on On and Off. And uh, join us next time when we'll be talking, talking about another topic involving the alcohol industry as yet to be determined. Until then, cheers. Cheers.